Hello, hello. You are listening to A Pastor in His Newspaper with Dr. Castro, podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. It's good to be with you. It's been a long time since um, I have posted anything on this podcast. Uh, I have been starting other things, uh, other podcasts actually as well, uh, to go along with uh, A Pastor's Newspaper. Um, I kind of started a new podcast network called uh, Partners and Citizens and coming from the book of Philippians. Um, and so added two new podcasts. Uh, one is uh, one on uh, sports that I have with pastor Derek McFarland, youth pastor here at central. And also we have a, uh, we're recording a church and politics class that we have on Wednesday night that I'm leading and uh, on Wednesday at six fifteen PM in the fall in room 235 at Central. So we'll be posting those lectures, those seminars, those classes um, to the Church and Politics class podcast. And so you can listen to those and we'll post those on social media and Facebook like I do here with a pastor's newspaper. And also with uh, the third Saturday in October, uh, I'm a big UT fan, if you don't already know this. And Derek McFarlane is an Alabama fan. And they play in a game called the third Saturday in October. That game has historically been on that Saturday of October. And so we have a podcast and we just um, posted a new episode today. And so that is out and you can listen to that on Apple podcast, um, wherever you get your podcast. And so, uh, so I've been doing some other things and uh, we've been doing some other activities um, over the last few weeks here at Central Church, had some new classes starting, other ministries have been kind of starting back up in the fall. So uh, I've gotten, I got away from uh, a pastor's newspaper, but I am back uh, today and um, want to talk about um, a really sad, sad reality right now um, going on on the border. And, uh, and you hear the word border, your mind immediately goes to immigration, to migrants, those coming across the border. You think of maybe uh, President Trump's uh, attempt to build a wall. And so there's a lot of imagery. There's a lot of issues and policies that uh, when you mentioned um, immigration, I mentioned the border uh, in particular. And usually when we're talking about the border, we're speaking of the U.S.-Mexican border. And there is a border in the north uh, with Canada, but it's immigration across that border is not uh, as much of a, a big issue as we see on the southern border. And uh, so this is an article that I just want to, that kind of brought to light some, some really sad, sad things going on on the border. And, um, and obviously this issue brings up a lot of um, um, just back and forth on what should happen um, to the stop the, the flow of, of immigrants uh, illegally into the country. As some are arguing for building a, a kind of a wall type, type um um, structure to prevent people from getting into the U S others have argued for, um, kind of a, a better process, uh, to become a citizen in the United States or to work in the United States. Um, and, um, uh, others have kind of argued for a, an amnesty program that, uh, any illegal immigrant in the United States currently would automatically get, uh, citizenship, um, or at least be put on a process towards citizenship. Others have argued for, um, basically, uh, immediately deporting 
people back to their home of origin. Um, you get into issues with children when children are born in the United States are automatically made a citizen, even though their parents may be here illegally. Um, and so there's just a lot of things <laughs> that you have different states with different um, approaches to um, border patrol. And uh, you have some uh, Republican states or Republican governors actually sending um, Ill- illegal immigrants that are caught by the border patrol and sending them to states with a more open policy like New York and uh, kind of um, sending them to these kind of they're calling them refugee cities or amnesty cities or um, um, cities that are in areas that are more open to uh, giving citizenship or just giving people uh, more freedoms who are here illegally. Let me give you some just statistics and give you some of like what's going on um, down on the border. Um, and so these are really, these are sad things that I don't want to kind of uh, talk about. And then at the end here, I just really want to just bring up why it's important, um, to, to, to really think through this issue of, of illegal immigrants or migrants coming across the border and in some ways, um, sneaking across the border and, and many of them dying, um, either drowning in the Rio Grande river or dying, um, kind of in the middle of nowhere and, and people finding their bodies and why we, as a country, we, you know, this makes this issue complicated. There is a security issue. Um, there's a national security, uh, part of this, this, this issue, but also there's a human life issue that we need to be about thinking through this because we don't want people dying, um, and so we want to talk about that, but so this is an article, uh, written in the world magazine. I talk about this magazine quite often and, but shadow of death by Addy, um, offering offerings. Um, and the writer here points out some interesting statistics. It says that at 2.7 million, um, migrants are encountered, uh, the, the border control encounters 2.7 million migrants at the U S Mexico border, uh, per year. 2.7 million. Um, and as of last year, 853 migrants were found dead, which was a record high. They were found dead. Either they were drowning in the Rio Grande river or they were found, um, abandoned, um, mostly by on a private ranch, um, in either Texas in or in Arizona, where more Arizona land is actually owned by the government. Most of the dead bodies that are found lack any ID. There's no, uh, there's no um, passport. There's no um, ID card of any kind. Um, they have no way to ID the body. Um, maybe some of them, um, because if they're found um, in, in the, in the way and kind of in the, the, the wasteland borderlands of, of Southwest Texas, for example, these are very harsh tradi- uh, conditions. Uh, the body may have been um, um, potentially eaten by, by animals, maggots become an issue after four days um, and other type of just conditions of the wilderness prevents even fingertips to be able to fingerprints be able to be identified. Um, and what's happening is, is again, they're, they're dying in some of these borderland counties that really just aren't equipped to handle the rising death toll. 
Um, and so many remain un, un, unidentified. They are unable, uh, cause they don't have enough people that work for the County. Um, they're not able to do autopsies. They're not able to, um, to run DNA, um, tests. Um, and they just don't have the personnel, uh, to be able to identify bodies. Um, Eagle pass, which is a city in Southwest Texas, which is a population of 28,000 is one of these areas that have kind of are in a situation where they're finding dead bodies uh, in their jurisdiction. Uh, many of these people have been uh, are alone walking miles upon miles in very rough terrain, difficult terrain with no food, no water, um, no one to help them in there. They, they die alone. Um, and so, um, and just think about, I think that's what's, the sadness of this entire issue is you've got people who are, who are dying horrible deaths left their bodies just left to rot, um, in these, um, harsh terrains, harsh conditions, um, and days upon days upon days, um, go by before their bodies are found and, and their families are back in their home countries and their home areas, never hearing from their family members, not knowing, if they made it to the United States, not knowing if they'll be sent home, not knowing if they're dead, um, and without any, without some of them waiting years or never hearing about what happened to their loved ones. And, um, and one of the, what a lot of, a lot of people have died. A lot of immigrants have drowned in the Rio Grande river or they die in these remote ranches in Southwest Texas. Um, and it is actually, that's kind of a, to understand the logistics of this, it's, it's the respective County. The body is found in, it's their responsibility to ID the body and care for the body as well. So either, you know, identifying it and I, and then reporting that to um, the consulates for those prospective countries, um, Mexican and, and South American and Central American consulates uh, to, because there's a record of those citizens and ID in the body. And so that family member, family members are told um, of the, of the death of a loved one and maybe the body being actually returned to the country to be buried uh, properly by the family and for the body just to be cared for. And so many of them die in the river or they die on a remote ranch uh, and the county is responsible to actually care for the body and pay for the body to be autopsied. It's, it's, it's state law in Texas that a body has to be examined um, once a body is found. And uh, autopsies are not cheap. Um, they do cost the county money. Uh, it costs $4,000 a body for a medical examiner to do an autopsy. Uh, Maverick County, which is one of these borderland counties that many migrants are found dead in, um, don't, don't have a medical examiner. So they have to like transport the body miles and, and miles away to be examined. And it costs the county up to maybe $4,000 per body. Um, and it's not uncommon to get five to seven bodies per day that then have to be identified and then have to be examined by a medical examiner. So it costs, it costs the, the county uh, a large sum of money. And many of these counties are pretty small and unable to afford these autopsies. When we get into the Rio Grande River, you're wondering like, what there is um, the Rio Grande or Rio 
bravo, uh, bravo, like meaning it's, it's, you know, it's, it takes a lot of bravery to cross this river. Uh, the, the surface of the water may not seem rough, but underneath the water, there's a lot of currents that will catch, um, migrants crossing by surprise and then they drown. It's not uncommon for five to seven bodies per day to be found in Maverick County. Um, and you have 3000 immigrants per day being stopped by border patrol, uh, just in the United States alone. So there's a lot of immigrants trying to come across the border on a day to day basis. It's why it's not surprising for a County like Maverick County to find five to seven bodies abandoned and dead, um, from those who've tried to cross the border. Uh, especially during the summer, we've had just a record high of heat in the Southwest part of the United States, in Texas and Mexico and Arizona. I mean, you're getting temperatures up into uh, the triple digits on a consistent basis. And so you have people uh, crossing the border, um, abandoned without food or water with a hundred, 110, um, type temperatures. And so when they find these, these body remains, um, they are now just putting them in County cemeteries. And so it's not uncommon for just empty white crosses because the bodies were not identified or unable to be identified or just placed in, um, County cemeteries. Um, and those family members of the, of the one who's passed away and who has died, they're never told they're basically the body is in a unmarked cemetery, uh, in the County and the family members back in Mexico or Guatemala or El Salvador or wherever are never told uh, about the passing of their loved one. And so you, you have counties put in a very difficult situation. They understand, they really do believe that humans uh, remains. There needs to be dignity. Um, and then hence why they're burying them in the County cemetery. They're not just leaving the bodies to rot or, or doing something like that. Um, but they're unable to identify them. They're unable to contact next of kin. So these graves just remained unmarked. There's no names, John Doe, Jane Doe, uh, uh, for these people who have had, who have, um, you know, they have memories and there's photos of these people, like with their families, these people may have gone to school. Uh, these people may have a, a mom or a father or a, a husband or wife or children. Uh, potentially uh, they may have had friends, people that remember them. Um, and they are now, uh, you know, dead and their bodies bodies remain unmarked and unmarked graves. Um, most of Texas is, uh, it's borderline is privately owned by ranches. And so you, you have a lot of these, these areas where the federal government uh, doesn't necessarily have, um, uh, they don't patrol these, these, these borders as closely as I do in Arizona and maybe in California, because a lot of these, these areas of Texas are owned by ranchers. So it's privately owned land. So you have bodies basically um, in privately owned ranches, them dying and them not being found. And so what's happening is, is that people are trying to cross the border and because of fear of detection, uh, smugglers and other immigrants traveling in groups often don't call 911 when someone starts to struggle. Uh, when someone seems like they have, they're dehydrated or that they've had an injury or that they are not doing well, they are basically abandoned and left. Um, no one's detected. No one's called their fear that if they call the police, then they're going to be sent back. 
Um, they're going to be arrested. Um, they're going to be put in into, into jail or to camps. Um, and so they, they just don't say anything. They just leave the body behind and they just leave the person to die um, by themselves without food, without water, without any type of medicine uh, whatsoever. And actually, and this is, this is pretty uh, hard to hear, but border patrol and, and, and county officials are actually unfortunately using buzzard uh, to help find them, find bodies. Um, they, they, they find, they, they kind of try to find and, and, um, and, uh, identify where buzzards are and potentially that could be where a dead body remains. Um, because they were just abandoned by their group because of a fear of being detected. Um, so in, in 2012, there's a, so I talked about Maverick County, Brown County, which is another County, um, in Texas on the border, uh, of, of Mexico, uh, in 2012, they had 129 deaths. Um, these were migrants. They found the, these bodies in their County. Um, and, um, and they would basically, they had to do autopsies and transport these bodies to federal, I'm sorry, funeral homes. Uh, so in that year alone, it cost the County seven and the taxpayers in that County, $700,000, to take care of those 129 bodies through autopsies to transporting them to funeral homes and burying them. Um, now the Texas code of criminal procedures requires counties in the state to perform a forensic examination on identified bodies and collect DNA samples. The officials must also submit information to the national missing and identified person systems or a similar database. This is by law. So the state, the county can't just leave the body. It can't just um, place them in, a, in the ground. Um, it has to go through these criminal procedures. They have to do an examination. They have to try to identify the body through DNA samples. Uh, they have to put this through a database so that maybe as There'll be maybe there's records of this this person um, from crossing in the past, and they were arrested, and they were fingerprinted, and maybe because they have fingerprints or DNA samples on file, they'll be able to identify the body. Since 2009, Brown County had 932 bodies found, and 60% of them were identified. So 40% of them were not identified since 2009. So it's been what, how many years is that? It's been close to 14 years and there are still bodies that have yet to be identified. 40% of them have not been identified. Uh, Maverick County, which is a county I talked about in the beginning, found 121 bodies last year. And many of them are not identified. They have not been able to identify them. Um, and so you have many in these, in these officials in these counties, especially in, in, in Brown County um, and Maverick County that are really trying to urge relief organizations and border shelters and others of those working with migrants, either in Central America or even in the United States to tell immigrants to send their GPS coordinates to their families when they head into the brush. Um, and what, what that means is, is that they would send them um, something that, that would help officials at least have a starting point. So if someone goes missing, at least they have some um, record, some information, some evidence to start looking for people who have gone lost, who've gotten lost, who have been abandoned uh, as they have either um, 
you know, cross the river or cross the border into the United States. Uh, others, uh, let's say amongst the border control are trying to put up, um, place cards directing wandering immigrants to the nearest checkpoint where they can get water, they can get food, they can get, um, medical, uh, uh, assistance. They've been set up at beacons with equipped with strobe lights to help guide people to safety. Um, others are just, the attempt is to try to help, um, prevent, uh, death from even happening. Cause again, if we, if people at least have a place to start, maybe if they go missing, that body is found, um, in less time and maybe they're able to save a person from dying. Um, there's a, a program that was started in 2017 by the border patrol called the missing migrant program. Um, and it's a, it's a volunteers, um, uh, effort, uh, a team of volunteers of the border patrol to help identify bodies using DNA and fingerprints with records of immigrants that have crossed before. So there's been attempts, uh, there have been programs started. There's been ideas, uh, kind of implemented to just help prevent so many migrants from dying, um, because of their attempts to cross the border. And I say all this, I provide all this information. And I know that some of you listening, like you have strong opinions about um, illegal immigration. And and that's understandable. We have laws. We have laws should be followed. Um, There should be consequences for those who break laws. Um, We don't want lawlessness. We don't want to promote lawlessness. Uh, we want people to to obey the laws. We do believe that there needs to be a process by which people can work in the United States and then go across the border back into their into their country. They come to the United States, they work for nine months, they move back to their homes. Uh, they're able to provide for their families. I think that is a good system. That is a proper system. Um, that happens all over the world. You have um, you have visa programs. You have work programs to bring people into the country to work, to make money for their family, to provide labor for businesses in the United States and for money to be saved back home. This is a good thing. It provides, um, um, uh, a work and provides money for people to take care of their families. This is really good things. Um, it helps build, uh, communities in, in, in central America. These are really good things. Um, and we don't, we don't want lawlessness. We want, we want justice. We also want processes by which people can come into our country, work, or even process to become citizens in the United States. The United States has a long history of being a nation that welcomes immigrants. Um, you could just do a, a history, looking at U.S. history, where many, many parts of our history, you have a large flux of immigrants in our country from from Ireland, from parts of Eastern Europe, um, from South America, from Central America, from Russia, from Asia, you know, Chinese, Japanese, Korea. There's a long, long history of of immigrants coming to the United States. This is the, this has been a positive thing, um, part of our history. So we we want immigrants to continue to come to our country. We have the Satchel of Liberty, Isla Island, bring you, bring us your poor, bring us your, your hungry, bring us your, 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 those who, uh, who are in need. We, we have this DNA, we have this value. So it's, it's important for us to have this, this, this system by which people can go through to become citizens or even just to work here. Uh, well, at the same time, you do need security. You do need, you don't need people flooding across your border illegally. Um, this is, this is important 
but and we have to understand that God created all humans in his image. Uh, they're image bearers of God. Every human has dignity. Every human body has dignity. It's part of God's creation. God created um, the human body good. Um, and so we want people's bodies to be cared for. We want them to be examined. We want them to be identified. We want them to be able to be put into a grave with, with dignity. Every human deserves that dignity because God created it. We believe in the resurrection of the body. We don't just believe that uh, the soul goes into heaven, but God is bringing a resurrection of the physical world. He is renewing creation. He created, create, he created the body. He is going to resurrect the body. Our savior, and Lord came in human flesh and then resurrected. He didn't take on a spiritual form. He didn't take on a phantom form or a ghost form. He resurrected in the body and took on new flesh and they touched his hands. They touched his feet. He ate bread. He spoke with them. He was with them. So we believe in the importance of the physical body. It was wonderfully made is what we believe. It's what scripture uh, states about the human body. And so we want people to be cared for. We want people's remains to be cared for. This is really important, but we want the poor to be cared for. We want the helpless to be cared for. We want the people to be able, if they do come across the border, even if they come across illegally, we don't want them to die. We don't want them to die in the wasteland. We don't want them to die in the river, right? We want them to, we want to provide ways for them to be, uh, to be directed to safety, but then yes, maybe they're caught uh, but at least they're saved. At least they're, they're, they're protected. Um, and then if they are sent back and, or provided another avenue to become a, 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 someone who works in the United States or becomes a citizen of the United States, that is a good thing. Um, and we want uh, the poor to be cared for and the church should be a part of that. Yeah. Even if migrants come across the border, the church should be a part of making sure they don't die that they're cared for their health, maybe help the border control and providing uh, checkpoints and other ways for people as you've directed to safety. This is something the church should be a part of. It's not like we are, are, um, are turning a blind eye to lawlessness, but we are trying to preserve life. And we as Christians must be consistent with preserving life. That's something we should be in total agreement on and migrants as well. We should try to pursue, pursue or pursue protecting life. We need to try to encourage and really strongly advocate for providing relief to Central American countries. Uh, I know that um, that is a controversial issue, but really long-term, we want to get to a point where migrants don't want to cross the border illegally. They want to continue to work in their country or look through other means by which they can get into the United States legally. Um, and work for their families and provide for their families. But I think it, it takes a, a communication and relationship with South American countries to provide relief, to provide jobs, to provide uh, infrastructure uh, to these countries so that people are less willing to risk their life trying to cross the border, which is a very dangerous uh, journey, extremely dangerous. And I think this is a part of praying for good governments and fair businesses in Central America. Um, it does no one any good 
for corrupt governments and corrupt businesses who take advantage of people or governments that are, are, are so corrupt that people are just, just willing to even risk it all just to get out of that country. We have to say something, and this is an important thing we have to consider. Why do they want to come to the United States in the first place? Because they are, they are told they've come to believe that America is a place for freedom. It's a place for their families to thrive. And we believe this to be true. We want these countries to have the same freedoms and for people to thrive there as well. And I think that is, is a good thing for the entire world. Another important point of this is that when governments are good and fair, then the gospel goes freely in these countries. Um, churches are able to meet freely and this affects people and it, and it brings, gets the gospel out to those who live in a dark world, those who do not have Christ. And so as Christians in the United States, we need to pray that there would be good governments and fair businesses in these other countries. And so that there is a, people are supported, they're cared for, they're able to work, they're able to take care of their family, they're able to buy homes, they're able to, to go to schools, they're able to be educated, they're able to um, provide and, and protect um, and be independent and autonomous. Um, we, we, this is a good thing. This is a positive thing. And the gospel goes freely. Um, so there's a lot going on on the border, a lot of sadness going on on the border, a lot of things for us to pray about, a lot of things for us to advocate for. And I want to just encourage you to do that. Instead of just being upset and angry that uh, either Democrats are letting people cross the border or Republicans want to build a wall, instead, think of the people involved Pray for the churches that are in these counties. Pray for the people working in these counties. Pray that the gospel would go forth. Pray that people would be less willing to take dangerous measures to get in the United States. Pray that the U.S. government would provide a free and fair way for people to get into our country to work or people to, to become citizens of the country. Pray that governments in Central America would be far less corrupt and businesses would be far less corrupt so that people can, can live and work and so that they won't come potentially into the United States and, and risk their lives or risk their children's lives. Um, and, and pray for those, those workers in these counties. They, they are seeing some horrible, horrible things. Children floating in rivers because they have died through drowning. Uh, bodies just found unmarked, unable to be identified because being left out in the wilderness for multiple days just pray and pray that God would protect people and watch over people. Uh, this has been a pastorist newspaper. Please continue to read the news with the Bible in your hand and uh, hope to see you next week. And in the coming weeks, uh, check out some of our new podcasts that we have out there. Uh, third Saturday of October is a sports podcast with uh, pastor Darren McFarlane. Uh, here at Central. And then we have the church and politics class, which is our Wednesday night class that we are then recording and putting on a podcast uh, that you can listen to as well. So enjoy all these different podcasts that you can be a part of. And we hope to see you uh, here um, continuing to listen to a pastor in his newspaper. 